FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. 1985 Washougal is what we're doing today, myself and Jason Wygant. We'll tell you why we're doing this one in a little bit, but thank you to the folks at Liat, Liat.com. And if you want a discount from the folks at Liat, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we will get it to you. You can save at Liat.com. You look at the Motor Concepts guys, Freckle and, and Freeze and all of those guys over the years, McElrath and so on and so forth, have worn Liat. They look pretty good doing it. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for a sheer enjoyment. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make neck braces, of course, riding gear, knee braces, boots, helmets, goggles, protective wear, all of that stuff head to toe. They'll have you covered. It's really good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've been looking at their mountain bike stuff as well. So check out Liat.com for more information on that. And, again, use the code to save with those guys. Thank you to uh, to those guys for coming on board this podcast. Super fun to do. Liat Re-Raceables. we got JoJo Keller on also, by the way, the great JoJo Keller. Thank you to the folks at ProTaper, whether it's uh, Rockstar Energy Husqvarna, whether it's Star Racing Yamaha. They're using ProTaper products, bars, grips, sprockets, chains. ProTaper.com has got you covered. And uh, they have the new ACF bar, which is the lightest one and one-eighth handlebar out on the market today. Carbon fiber ends on this thing. they got the Cellus Start device as well. And you know they uh, patented the first crossbarless handlebar way back in the early 90s, and they continue to elevate and innovate the game thank you to maxis tires as well a ray kate putting maxis tires into supercross main events this past year uh light truck tires trailer tires utv tires mountain bike tires uh, i like the minions uh, for mountain bike tires if you haven't thought about maxis for a while for your dirt bike or mountain bike or whatever check them out man uh they make a lot of good stuff and thank you to maxis guys for coming on this podcast uh guts racing also on board as well as scott goggles we'll tell you more about them later on but yeah thanks to the folks at Liat. And re-raceables. Let's uh, let's talk Washougal '85 and why it's so damn cool of a race. To do that with me on the line from RacerX Online, it's Jason Wagon. What's up, Weech? Yeah, the JoJo Show. The JoJo Show. You know, uh, um, I, I I I talk to JoJo every now and then. We text, and he's a great dude. And I'm pumped that he wanted to do this. And he was a really good rider. Yes. Uh, this Sometimes we make these shows, obviously, about one specific race or pass or crash or whatever. Um, and this technically is about one Washougal National. But really, this is just, hey, JoJo is really good. And JoJo probably is not you know, as famous as he should be. So we just should do a show talking about JoJo. Yeah, pretty much, right? In general. In general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he, not, not just one race. He's a legend. Yeah. There's a lot of stories about him, for sure. But... Um, this race, 85 Washougal, as I said off the top, like the last ever national with three classes in one day, right? The next year they would split up yep. the 250s and 500s. Yep. JoJo tells us that I didn't put together that the last race of a factory Honda, factory works bikes for, for anybody, yeah. 
and, and you know, yeah, it, it's it's uh, well, they're it's, the last I, class that raced on the last day. So the last race ever with a works bike in AMA competition, the last checkered flag or gate drop, whatever you want to call it, was that day's 500 class. And JoJo won the moto. And JoJo won, right? Yep. Yeah. So kind of neat when yeah. you when you think about it that way. Um, yeah. This race was really bad for dust. If you read the Cycle News um, mm -hmm. report on it, there is a video out there. I've seen it. I I, I think I have the video, a uh, Gary Bailey home video uh, VHS of this race somewhere, and it does look pretty bad. Um, it, it was so bad, and Washugo lost their race in '87, I believe, for one year. Because uh, the track, it was before the Huffmans owned it. Um, they took the national away. It was that bad. Uh, That's why? Yes. It was just so dusty, so not looked after, everything else. So, Wow. You, Washugo has this incredible streak of nationals except for one year. And I believe it was 87. Gone. So, um, you know what, though? Um, obviously, we're both uh, young enough. We're, we're, we're not old enough to have been to a national but like this. But we each... Can you imagine six motos in a day? Like, I, I don't know, like six motos with stars in every moto. I just, I think, I think of myself as a young Steve Mathis, and the first national I ever went to was Millville '88. Um, mm -hmm. So I missed it by a few years, but yeah, that'd be pretty cool to see three classes. Yeah, it really the mind wanders. Is this good or bad? There's there's pros and cons. So yeah, this is what I mean. At that time, it was the only logical thing. The 500s were not dead yet at all. You know, 500s were only either a few years removed or were maybe still considered the premier bike or class, you know. Mm -hmm. So you had to give them their own class. Obviously, 250s had come into their own, especially with Supercross. And the 125 class was viable. So, like, if you're the AMA, what are you going to do? Of course, you're going to have three series. Uh, and, yeah, six motos. So you're saying from an entertainment standpoint, and wait a minute. Do we have 45-minute motos no, in a no. six-moto format? No, they these they are, didn't do these all are, that, right? These are 30s, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but was there any point? Or were uh, the 45s back when it was split? I think the 45s were when they were split. Like, yeah. they used to have random 125, 500s, 250, 125 races. Yeah, they were random. Right. Yeah, it was very odd for a long time, right? You'd have a race that was 125, 250 only, and another one would be 500 and 125 here and there. This is the earlier 80s. Uh, remember, the GPs, this will really blow people's mind. And this wasn't that long ago. But the GPs were just completely separate. You know, yeah. 125 GP. Yep. That was it. Yeah. They did not race the same class, same place, same dates as the other classes. You just had the support class. How crazy is that to think about? Yeah. Or how crazy yeah. is it that the FIM at one time didn't go by moto scores? It went by time of moto uh, in tie breaks? It <laughs> yes. didn't go Lover. by like the second moto, you got the score. No, no. If you just went faster, you got the tie break, even if it was in the first moto. It, it's yeah, weird. yeah, if yeah. you won the first moto by 20 seconds and then moto 2 somebody you won moto 2 by 22. Yep. They would win the overall yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, uh a, crazy. yeah, a lot more change uh, than we think. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, race but is the downside. Okay. Go I was going to say the downside of this, the six motos in one day that does sound action packed. But the downside is you know that people had to be leaving those races back then saying like this sucks. I want to see Hannah race Bailey. I want to see Glover race Ward. We never get to see it. They're held separate. Like, now it's like, if you're good, you're going to the 450 class, and you're racing each other. Yeah. 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 The so there you would have the eternal. Imagine if, just mm -hmm. for example, Tomac and Sexton were just not in the same class all last year. One was on a 250, one was on a five. So I could see the ups and downs. And you're splitting that talent in half. If you really look at this 500 class, 
all anyone remembers of 84 and 85 pretty much is this Glover and Bailey, right? And a bunch of other dudes. Yeah. Well, it turns out one of those other dudes is JoJo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was going to get to. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about that. Can you imagine if Pulp MX show was around in 85? So this is the final national of the year. And yeah. the Honda took Ron Lachine and David Bailey out of their classes Put them in the 250 class to help Johnny O'Mara win. Johnny trailed yes. Wardy by points. Straight up. Straight up. Uh, so Honda put these guys into the class to try to help uh, Johnny, and I imagine get in the way of Jeff Ward. Then they gave a factory ride to a privateer, JoJo Keller, uh, and then two total privateers. One, two of the three classes, and then factory Honda... Their star rider, David Bailey, lost second in the points because the dude in third who would never thought anyone would win won and then bumped Bailey to – the, the internet would be ablaze with this race. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. The privateers winning, crazy. But, yep. but more importantly, the – I mean, did Honda even try to make an excuse? Like, did they have a lame – <laughs> or do they just say, yes, we are moving Lachine up and Bailey down to yeah. ride 250s to help America? Like, is there any possible way they could claim they weren't manipulating the race? Right. And the funny- and you and I aren't against that kind of thing. No. But many fans are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's part of why you pay riders to ride your bikes, to help out win championships, like all of that. I'm fine yep. with it. Uh, but the funny thing is, so I spoke with the great David Bailey uh, yep. about this race, been texting with him a little bit, and... He, and we also there's also an interview out there with Motocross Action about this race back in the day. And both things, my text with Bailey and this article, confirmed that David was not happy. He was not going to screw with Jeff Ward at all to help Johnny O. Yeah. Even though he was buddies with Johnny O, he didn't think it was right. And, yeah. and Bailey had a terrible day. It was so dusty. Him and Goat Brecker, uh, in, in Cycle News, Goat Brecker says that him and Bailey were just chatting on the side of the track during the moto. Because the dust was so bad. They just pulled over, and they were just chatting. And they both DNF'd. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey says it's one of the only races where he just flat out quit. And he goes four DNF on the day. So he does nothing to help Johnny O. Catch the fever, everybody. Now, Dogger, Dogger goes 9-2. He's the 125 champion this year. He goes 9-2 on the 250. He has a 10-second lead in the second moto and cycle news reports that he gets caught and gets passed in the whoop section before the finish line. That's still there by the way. Uh, and then he's unavailable for comment. Oh, so it, wait, who's he get caught and passed by Johnny O. Yeah. By Johnny. Oh, o. So, okay. So what happened? He moved over for him. He, he moved over for him. I asked Dogger. He thought he won the moto. <laughs> 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 so, you know, uh, uh, 37 years later, Ronnie thought he had won the moto when he moved up to 250s. And I said, no, you let Johnny buy. And he said, huh. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you know, uh, when you convince yourself of your own lie, I mean, that's that's what George Costanza, I believe, said on Sofa. <laughs> Once you could convince yourself. So Dogger doesn't have to worry about feeling bad about pulling over for a teammate. Yeah. He just remembered himself winning, actually. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But you know what, though? <laughs> For reals, though, for Honda, going into this race, um, going into this race, it was uh, Ward 401 points, RJ and Johnny O at 381. It's 20 points. I mean, 
it's a lot to start moving guys around in classes, you know, to me anyways. Oh yeah. Yeah. To overcome 20 points. But I guess if you look at it this way, um, you know, I, you've got to imagine at the Honda back then. So they were going to come up with, let's see, they don't win the Supercross title. Ward wins that. And even that was controversial, but it was really between Ward and Glover. So not a Honda. They're uh, not going to win the 250 class. It looks like Ward's going to win that. Glover looks like he's going to win the 500 class. If you're Honda, you're probably getting like daily phone calls from Japan just getting <laughs> chewed out. Yeah, maybe. These. This is the last works bikes, and I did a story with Dave Arnold in Racer X about this. They're, videos. Videos, videos and, yep. and everything. Um, these bikes are amazing. They had laptops tuning the, the power valves and ignitions in 85. And I, yeah. But, I didn't even know there were laptops in 85. I know, right? Um, but one thing that was kind of forgotten, and we'll talk to JoJo about it, was the 85 works bikes weren't that good. Um, you know, they just didn't work that well. And Bailey said that also. And, 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 and you know, he yep. dominated 80, 84 500s. And then they got this 85 bike, um, and they just they didn't like it. Uh, it had I remember looking at it at the Honda warehouse, and it had an aluminum strut bolted to the top of the – frame where the shock bolts in so the shock bolts into an aluminum strut that mm. bolts to the steel frame so you could change the angle of the shock really easy for different tracks okay. but but like dave arnold's like yeah but we didn't quite know flex stuff and so now you have a bolt through a steel through aluminum and now you have flex you know no matter how much because it's aluminum and steel so things like that where he's like, we overthought it. Like we thought that yeah. changing the shock would be awesome. We didn't realize that having an aluminum strut bolted to a steel frame would cause issues, you know? Yeah. And I also heard, um, I think they're 250s, at least for Supercross. I'm not sure about outdoors. They just hit too hard. Like they, they were unrideable. Mm -hmm. um, probably another thing that seemed good in the dyno bench or the shop floor. Um, and as Bailey says, you mentioned that MXA uh, interview he has, that the 85... He kept telling them it's slow compared to the '84 uh, 500, mm -hmm. and it they weren't they weren't believing it, yeah, so to speak, yeah, because it sounded right fast. I guess I think is what he said. So yeah, it's a matter of almost like they got so scientific that the riders were riding it and being like, "I know this seems good on a blueprint, but uh, it doesn't actually work." Now Bailey says that JoJo went up to him after practice and said, "Is your bike kind of slow?" And we asked yeah. JoJo about that, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> uh, which, you know, you get a factory bike and you, you go over to the, pro the, the, the factory rider and you're like, uh, yeah, is your bike slow? <laughs> so Bailey swears that that happened. Um, Nobody expected, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Eric Eaton, local guy, wins the 500s, goes 1-2 on the day, passes Bailey in the standings. Bailey said it did cost him money. And Bailey said also it, it, it cost him probably the overall at the race because no offense to Eric Eaton, but Bailey probably wins uh, the 500 class this day, um, which uh, is a bonus for him. The one week before this race, or two weeks before this race, Bailey wins the 500s at Millville again. So Glover's out. He's got the championship clinched, and he's got a wrist problem. Glover's out of this thing. And by the way, again, let me give props to Brock Glover for getting his ass whooped in 84. Badly. Taking the exact same bike and beating Bailey badly in 85. One of the most underrated championships ever. Glover turned it around on a yeah, air-cooled yeah, YZ490. Right. right. The, the most outdated bike, one more year further outdated mm -hmm. compared to this works Honda. Against the same guy that he, he lost 20 of 24 motos to. Oh, is that bad at 84? Yes. 
It was that bad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glover told me a story about uh, going to High Point and um, just like I think the day after the national or before it or something like that and just riding through this ditch over and over to try to figure out like what the hell was wrong with the suspension on this bike. <laughs> and basically reversing every, you know, it was like it's kicking, you know, it needs to be whatever it was. We need to make it softer because it's kicking. And then they eventually realized it was actually the, you know, kind of the classic softer actually makes it stiffer because it's going so far down in the stroke um, that it actually feels stiffer because it's going too far down in the stroke yeah. and then rebounding more or it's progressive. So as you get deeper into that stroke, the suspension gets stiffer. Uh, some sort of thing where they kept going one direction, one direction, and then they went completely opposite. And suddenly you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We just night and day difference i think that was it it was they kept going softer and softer and softer and then they realized that was actually making it feel stiffer because it was pretty much using all the travel and then the bike was way better and it was some deal of like they just hit this ditch at the base of high point like 400 times in a day <laughs> i think with john r right uh and it made the bike better but yeah. it, yes it was the same yz490 by the way this yz490 you know it gets made fun of a lot by the late 80s where they're still racing it bradshaw yep yeah, Bradshaw, Dr. D, all that. But more importantly, was the bike ever considered state-of-the-art? Because it's always, no matter what year, it's always <laughs> thought of as the unbelievably old airhead. Dude, hand. I don't think so. Like, even in 83, <laughs> Cowie had disc brakes and air and water cooling. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and before that, the it was brand new. It was outdated. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, Bradshaw won a moto in 91. He won one moto on the Incredible. WR. Yeah, phenomenal. Um so Eric Eaton wins, a uh, local guy, Pacific Northwest local, and I did a story um, in Race Rex magazine, and actually I should – can I repost that story on Pulp? Are you going to give me permission? i got to ask Davey. Which, which story? Guys who won oh. one motos in their careers. That's it. No, they, we don't care. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I really like this story. I put a lot of work into it. Anyways, yeah. Eric Eaton was on that list. He won one moto in his career, um, and it was this day. And he went one two for the overall. And I gotta say, when I, I talked to Eric Eaton, I tracked him down. I don't remember how. Eric Eaton was super cool, super rad dude to talk to, and like still lives for the fact that he won Washugal in front of his hometown town crowd. Oh, sweet. Okay. Do, do you know cool. what I mean? Like some guys don't give a crap. Like Ricky Ryan didn't even know where his eighty seven Daytona trophy was, right? Like some guys just don't yeah. care. Uh yeah. Eric Eaton very much cared and was very proud and very stoked to have won this race in 85, and that's awesome. He was a good dude on the phone. so That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. Uh, All right, that's amazing. You've, you've talked to Eric Eaton. Yeah. That uh, was not what I expected to hear. Nope. Impressive. Yep, and uh, good dude. So JoJo goes 8-1. He'll tell us more about that uh, as we go. JoJo, the week, two weeks before this, Millville, JoJo, Bailey's in the race. JoJo, and I have, I've watched this on VHS, JoJo is gone in the first moto. He's a privateer. He's beating Gar David Bailey. Gary Bailey's filming. And then JoJo gets a flat. And then that's it. Bailey wins. The second moto, JoJo grabs the lead again and gets another flat. Like, he could have won Millville. He could have won Southwick, obviously. He's an NESC guy. And then he could have won this race with Bailey out of it. And, he, and, he, and the second moto, according to Washugal, he's just gone. He's checks out. 8-1 on the day. Ah, oh, JoJo probably lays awake thinking about this race. Yeah, well, you you mentioned right at the top of this that JoJo is fast. So, yeah, JoJo Keller is very hard to classify, like, how good he was. And a lot of it is the era that you're in, right? Like, you've lamented this all the time. 
that like there were so few factory rides and so few guys that could win from that standpoint. Like I know the 85 Supercross season had more winners than any other series and nobody won, I think, even two races in a row. Uh, from that perspective, the 80s were awesome. From that, like, I don't know which one of these six or eight guys is going to win each weekend. But then there's nothing. Like, there's six guys that can win, and then everybody else is privateers on garbage bikes, and there's no chance. Um, unless you have a day where no one – oh, by the way, I was going to ask, where is Glover on this day? Oh, Glover is – so this is the week after the Rose Bowl, and his wrist is broken. So he is – Oh, okay. He is uh, – he's gone. Like, he he didn't race Millville. He, he, he'd broken his wrist or – hurt his wrist. I don't know if he had surgery on it or not. And then he uh he was he was once he clinched a title, he clinched it two rounds yeah. early. He didn't ride yep. anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just gonna ask like why is he not there? But anyway, that's what it comes down to. It's like you only had these key guys. They were the only ones that could win. Now we have, you know, t- ten or twelve guys that are, you know, considered, you know, elite dudes. Yeah. So it it's feast and famine back then. So unfortunately for Jojo wasn't going to be a factory bike, although it turns out maybe there could have been the next year, depending on AMA rules. Um, if the 500s had remained a separate class and Honda still needed a group of 500 guys and a group of 250 guys. Um, but I do feel like there are so many legendary stories of JoJo hauling ass at certain races at certain times. That's kind of like the JoJo legacy. Yeah. It wasn't happening all yep. the time, right. but on certain days... Uh, uh, you've heard this, right? Like, it's oh. unbelievable how fast he could go at the right time. Well, didn't we – so I love asking the New England guys this, whether it's KJ or Dowd or Henry or mm-hmm. – like, I, I've i always asked them, and it's whatever pot I do, uh, Treadwell, yeah. I'm like, so give me the fastest guy at Southwick, uh, you know, just the fastest guy. And sometimes I don't include Dowd and Henry, you know, because they are another level. They went on to have factory rides and win multiple races and championships and all that. Um but just out of the guys, you know, that, that never got the ride, KJ, Barton. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I believe, and maybe I'm mistaken, Weege, we had the great Keith Johnson on our live show last year up in, in, uh, in Boston. Didn't mm-hmm. he say JoJo was the best? I think I missed that show. I don't think I was at that. So this is amazing. I, I was oh. not part of that show. Oh, you weren't there. Um, okay. We, I would still like some pay. That's great. <laughs> so he gave JoJo the nod. I think, I believe KJ said out of everybody on on their best day, JoJo could beat any of those guys. I that think, says a lot right there. Yep. And that kind of is exactly what we're saying about JoJo. Now, here's what I first remember about JoJo. That bastard would come down to Englishtown on occasion. And I'm telling you what. This dude, now, the a picture in my mind, him wearing jeans, work boots, and like a flannel untucked. <laughs> I think it was just, you know, JoJo was a bigger dude and his jersey would come untucked. Yeah. But it, through the years, I now see it as like he's showing up in like construction equipment. <laughs> and that bastard had the audacity to show up at Englishtown, race the 500 class against Mickey Kessler, the king of Englishtown. And there were times when he would beat Kessler, and that's Kessler's best class. How dare he do that? The fans were very upset. Could not understand how a guy that looked that out of shape, yeah. wearing work boots and jeans, <laughs> not really wearing it, but looking, just looking so haggard and ragged. How could he beat Mickey Kessler at Englishtown? Yeah. I believe this was 87, maybe. Okay. Um, but that was kind of the JoJo thing. It was like at certain races where he had no business beating people, he would beat people or at least run with them. Um, kind of like you're saying about Millville. 85 or what does he say we talk to him he doesn't race pretty much at all 
and then 84 at all, and then he just shows up for the Unadilla GP and just gets on the podium. Yeah, and then just just works everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. That's like the JoJo legend. Yep. Yeah, there's, you know, you talk to Jimmy D and you talk to these guys, and everyone up there has a JoJo story. And, and I, and I, I talked to, we talked to him about this, and I give him a few stories that I've heard. Um, so JoJo in 93, this is, I always look at this result. Oh, my God. 93. So, eight years after Washugal, what we're talking about, and another uh, tw- 12 years from his debut, let's say, he shows up at Unadilla in 93 and goes 8-8. Unreal. On a Yamaha. Like, oh, my God. Right. Like, can you imagine being there in 93 and, you know, this is – he beats Dowd. He, he beats Kyle Lewis. He beats Larry Brooks. He beats these dudes. You're just like, yeah, JoJo's here. He's not in great shape, and he goes 8-8 on the day. That's kind of what JoJo would do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Like, he has no business going this fast. No, no. Uh, also, by yeah. the way, going uh, – yeah, so Chicken. Chicken's factory Suzuki, and he's right ahead of him. He beats Chicken in second moto. <laughs> so factory Suzuki rider gets beat by JoJo <laughs> Keller, who at this point I think was a lobster fisherman coming in off the coast – to race Unadilla. I think he was a lobster guy at this point. Uh, if there were only social media then, because the post of like, you see hard work and grit and old school chickens out, out partying with chicks and all this, and this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No. That would have been everyone's comment. Uh, no, for sure. 100%. And yep. so JoJo was a caddy. He, I think he was a lobster fisherman. I think he shoed horses. I think oh he God. churned butter. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, like, think, whatever's gnarly. Yeah, Jojo's jo- jo- done all of it. So he also like he he has this lineage. Like he was good buddies with Bob Hanna for a long time, and a lot of the factory riders liked Jojo Keller. It was almost like uh, like our buddy Seth Rarick when Rarick raced. Right, he was friends yep. with Coop and Phil and all these guys that were like factory riders, and Rarick yep. was in that group. You know, yep. kind of like that a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, and we'll get to that. Uh, him hanging out with Bob Hanna, and this is Bob Hanna at you know the most popular rider, uh, adjusted for inflation, maybe the most popular rider of all time. You know, yeah, like yeah. okay, maybe Bob Hanna doesn't have a million and a half followers on Instagram like Ken Roxon does now, but you you can't get a more famous, bigger star in the history no. of the sport than Bob Hanna. And then he just picks JoJo as like one of his guys. The uh, speaking of Millville, two weeks before Washugo, Hanna goes one two and wins. And Washugo in this Dust Bowl, the race that we're covering right now, Hannah goes uh, three DNF, which is pretty much par for Hannah in '84 and '85. Bro, the 250 results are filled with dudes. I guess I'm guessing just saying screw this dust. <laughs> I think there's so. a lot of yeah. guys going um, good finish DNF or DNS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, also, uh, Eddie Hicks. I did a story on Eddie Hicks. This is one of his first races ever as a pro. 13-6 on the day. Um, so yeah, a lot, lots to talk about when it comes to this, this race. I had an exciting time in the sport. The, the, I mean, 85, like I said, is a high water mark for competition, like in Supercross. Mm-hmm. Um, end of the works bikes, end of the three classes. Even Supercross itself is a little weird with the two moto format, and it technically was not even an AMA series in 85. Although we still recognize it as the 85 Supercross Championship. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, AJ Whiting wins 125s. He's a, a Southern California dude uh, on a privateer. I think he's Suzuki support. 
ish at this point. AJ is goes one. Yeah, I was one. surprised to hear yeah. you say that a privateer won. I, I did not know he was not considered factory Suzuki. I don't believe he was. I could be okay. mistaken. I I don't. Yep. He may be a support guy. Um, okay. But yeah, he goes one one. Uh, Eddie Warren third. Eric Kehoe second on this day in one twenty fives. Um, and yeah, there's not as many DNFs in one twenty five. So I don't know if the dust was. You know, they were the first moto and the fourth moto of the day. So maybe it was better. Uh, or 145s don't kick up that much dust anyways. Um, uh, Brian yeah, so Myers. I'm looking at these results properly. I'm seeing Hannah, Bailey, Myerscoff, Holly. They go 3, 4, 5, 6 in Moto 1 and do not finish Moto 2. Brian Myerscoff, because of Holly's DNF, beats Jim Holly for top privateer in the 250 class. Brian Myerscoff, oh. number 99 on a Suzuki this year. A lot going down there. Our, our guy, Jim. Yeah, a lot going down. Uh, uh, and and this final belly getting bumped at points, Honda moving guys, privateer battles. Oh, we would have our review pod, me, you, and JT's oh. review pod would have took two hours. <laughs> so, dudes giving up because it was dusty. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Hey, Brecker and Bailey, two factory riders, were just talking on the side of the track. <laughs> they were just sitting there talking. Did you see that on camera? Yeah, well, I did. Yeah. So unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Bailey. In a text back and forth with Bailey, and you know his memory is just phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, he's going on and on. Then he then he texts me back and goes, "What what did you ask?" with a with a laughing emoji because he just told me a, the the greatest story ever, right? Um, oh, it just went on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was very bummed at himself for quitting at this race. One of the only times he quit, but he said the dust was unbelievable. He wasn't happy about being moved down to two fifties. He wasn't going to hurt Wardy at all, and he also lost money for second overall. Because Eric Eaton passed him, and he lost money for the most likely win of this national as well. So, yeah, Bailey, yeah. Bailey didn't have a lot of good things to say about this day for him, <laughs> um, you know. But I'm sure he was happy that uh, JoJo. Oh, and then, jo- but maybe he was happy because JoJo said, "Hey, is your bike slow?" Which justified his comp- yeah, yeah, verification, <laughs> his verification yeah. <laughs> all year long about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of who's that guy in the Lee at Reraceables awards also uh, coming up here. So, oh uh, yeah. We'll get into that right away. Scott Sports, they've been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsport disciplines for over 50 years. Scott is a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Bailey was wearing Scott goggles on this day. I bet you uh, Eric Eaton was too. There's a photo of Eric Eaton here. And he's wearing Scott. So Eric Eaton, winner, wearing Scott goggles in 1985. Uh, Champions like Jason Anderson, Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Ween, and Walker Fowler choose a quality product and support from Scott. And Scott guys are excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thanks to the Scott guys. Uh, they're going to figure prominently in my Lit Kit Award for this race also. Uh, thank you to the folks at the Guts Racing, of course. Um, you know, Weege, I got a 2023 uh, YZ450 last week. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, well, I know you wrote it. Do you own it? Yes, they gave it to me. Yep. It, it's I mean, out your house. I have to give it back. Yes, but it's at your house. Yes. I didn't know if you just wrote it. No, no. Kiefer and... No. Oh, wow. It's at my house, but unfortunately, I can't ride it right now because the folks at Guts asked me for my seat to make 2023 YZ450 seats. So That's incredible. They're coming up soon, folks. How do I know this? Because they have my seat. Uh, So please check them out, 2023. uh, So if anyone gets a Guts Racing seat for 2023 Yamaha, it is the Steve Mathis Signature Edition. It was started, tested, tuned. Yeah. Do you think because of my weight that I've already crushed the foam and and this and their their um, template will be 
crushed a little bit? Do you think? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I thought maybe your uh, your your Chase Sexton esque riding style. You probably barely even sit down. Ah, there we go. Thank you. You're probably just Thank feet you. on the pegs, standing yeah, that, all the way around. That is uh, that was a real tweet from a real rider named Chase Sexton. Okay, the form. The form. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Guts Racing, Pulp 2022's code to save with Guts. And uh, I also want to thank the folks at Maxis, of course, uh, Pro Taper as well. And, of course, the folks at Liat. Use, uh, use the contact form at pulpamex.com. We'll send you a code to save at liat.com. Thanks to those guys. Lots of products. If you go to liat.com, and I don't know if you have Weech, but uh, you got gear, you got protection, you got mountain bike stuff, you got helmets, you got neck braces. They got a ton of stuff at liat.com. Oh, I do. They are, they are the sponsor of my own. Uh, exhaust podcast on the Racer X Podcast Network. Yep. Oh, I did not know this. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. Elliot.com. Yeah. Oh wow. So you're. We got pants. They have pants that are designed to not rip when you tip over, which I can tell you is a problem <laughs> with other pants. Uh so you're in effect we're we're competitors with our two pods here, Elliot pods. Uh yeah, they're splitting. They're splitting the audience in half. Mm, okay. Yep. All right. Um. All right. You want to talk to JoJo? Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, all right, folks. Lee at Re-Raceables, Washougal 85. Here's the great JoJo Keller. And now on the Lee at Re-Raceables, the man we were talking about earlier, 85 Washougal. The last time the Nationals ran three classes in one day. Uh, another tri- trivia uh, about this particular day. The man was granted a factory Honda in the 500 class and uh, took a moto win. JoJo Keller. What's up, JoJo? How are you, man? Hey guys, it's great to hear you. It's uh, I listened to the uh, the re-raceable you had with Johnny O the other day. It was really cool, so I'm proud to be able to do one of these with you. Yeah, that's oh, all- nice. Yeah, that's good. Th- th- thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. Uh, let's um, let's go to this. So you're a privateer rider. You're uh, you're on the list, JoJo. Of I'm gonna say top five to ten riders who never won a national that should have. So you're on that list. Um, uh, what did, yeah, not a list you probably pumped on. Yeah, not, not, not a super, not a super good list, Jojo, but definitely should have, uh, won, uh, one or two of these over the years. Um, where, where are you? What do you remember about, and who talks to you about riding Bailey's 500? Oh, a lot of people talk to me about it. It was an interesting season because, uh, the year before, well, in 80, I had a good year with Honda in 82 and then. I made one of my wonderful business decisions and decided to ride for Mako in 83. And I went to the uh, winter series in Florida that, that uh, January and February. I took a really bad uh, crash. And it pretty much uh, it's one of the worst injury I ever had at the time. It like, just hurt my pelvis. I, I just like crashed into the whoops. I wasn't used to the bike. And uh, so I did about everything possible without breaking a bone. And so I was out for uh, until... Uh, Sacramento was the first national that year, and I couldn't even hardly ride. And then I got home, and I found old Cell called me and said that Mako was having some financial problems, and they weren't going to be able to have a team that year. Chuck's son and uh, Chuck's son and I were riding for them, uh, and I had a pretty good deal with them, but it all fell apart when they, you know, mm-hmm. were broken to them. So I didn't. I basically didn't ride a national in '83. And I just wrote some New England stuff. I was, you know, I never really got back in the top shape after after uh, the injury. And then so then, over the winter, I uh, rode Suzuki's that year. And over the winter, you know, I got back in shape. Decided to go to the Winter Series, 
and I'm sorry if I'm going too far forward, but and so in '84 I was feeling good again, but I, I didn't have that much support, so I, I think I did two nationals, uh, the Fox Foxport Supercross, two nationals, and Unidoa GP, mm-hmm. and uh, I did did pretty well in them, and so the next year I had more support, and uh, so that was '85, and you know I felt I loved the, I hated my uh, <clears throat> my. The first 500 they had that wasn't air-cooled in 84, and then I got on that uh, water-cooled 85 on, and I absolutely loved it to this day. I think it's the fastest bike I ever rode, box stock, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, and so I started the Winter Series. I won the Open class. I I think I almost won the 250 class. I was riding both motos uh, a day, so I got in really good shape. And then when the Nationals started uh, at Hangtown, my least favorite track, I just I always didn't mind the track. I just never had good results there. Something happened. I didn't do too well. And the second national I year was Las Vegas, and I did really good. That was like a sandy track. And uh, although I'd learned to ride hardback by that time, I was still, you know, yeah. when it was whoops around, I could go a little better. And uh, and I did really well there. And, and uh, I forgot about Gainesville. Gainesville started. I did really well there. But uh, so I was like, David had had crashed at Gainesville. And I think, remember, at the bottom of the hill right before the finish yeah. line, and didn't even finish. So he was, he had a big gap. Brock already had a big gap on him. And so there was talk of, uh, there was a little talk about me getting a works bike after Vegas, which was the third round. Okay. And uh, yeah, and it didn't work out. Uh, you know, and I, you know, the idea of me trying to, you know, help David get some points, but, you know, because about that time, I was like, pretty much, on most given days, I was usually, you know, I could keep them in sight, and they were pretty well gone from everyone else, and I had a few rides where I could actually, you know, was up there with them, so, you know, and I don't know if it would have helped out or not, but uh, it didn't materialize, but that's also the same time uh, I got... I was riding the boys in Link, mm-hmm. and uh, I really liked that bike. Unfortunately, I had a couple of, you know, it was all new, and uh, there was a few. I had a few uh, DNFs from the linkage, you know, from a linkage problem, but they took good care of me over there. Ivan really uh, was helpful, and I loved riding the bike more and helping develop it. But you know, I was making two thousand a moto for from honda for being top privateer and stuff and so oh that's good money back then yeah that's good money jeez yeah he told me give me uh whatever i made from honda whether i finished or not so that was helpful and the bike was great really handled well and uh i had some really good results but you know like you say uh, at Binghamton, i think i i don't know the exact results but it was something like you know I got third the first moto, and the second moto I was winning with a lap to go on the link broke or whatever, and stuff like that. And then Washougal, of course, I had a big lead in both motos and had tire and wheel problems. And and so that was disheartening because I think those were two two races I could have yeah. could have had the elusive win. And uh, But all this time I was hanging around with all the Honda boys. I love David and and I were really good friends, and uh, Johnny and I were really good friends. Bob and I were good friends. I was pretty much friends with all the guys, and they, you know, I was able to hang around with Bob a lot. So I was uh, 
able to ride, you know, and Bean Canyon, all that famous stuff with him. I became a much better rider, you know, hanging around with those guys. And uh, so, you know, they were happy with, you know, most of my results. I did well at the GP that year. I think I went fourth at the 250 GP. And uh, so they were nice. And they, uh, you know, we were talking about the next year, getting some support and stuff. And they said, how would you like to ride Bailey's? bike for that well they didn't say bailey's because it really wasn't bailey's bike i think it was one machine road in the in carlsbad perhaps. oh okay all right but yep. uh, so it wasn't it was the exact bike yeah it wasn't david's personal bike and uh so i was you know thrilled and you know i couldn't believe it it was a dream you know it's always been a dream of mine and i've had the unfortunate or fortunate experience i don't know how you want to put it of uh having like in 82, when uh, Daryl Schultz was winning the title in his battle with Magoo and Chuck son for the title, all those guys were on worked Hondas. And so whenever one of them had an injury, whichever mechanic they had would, like, ask me, hey, would you mind riding this bike to break it in a little bit? And I, <laughs> I'd ride him, and I'd say, why did I bother? Why did I ride that? And I was like, I remember I was at Lakewood or, or Castle Rock, and Chris Haynes asked me to ride uh Daryl, because Daryl wasn't riding during the week at all yep. with his bad knee and mm -hmm. everything else. And so, and Chris would get the bike all done or do something, you know, totally different to it. And they'd want to make sure it was going to be okay. So we were at this track out in Lakewood or Castle Rock, right? It was right near the racetrack and it was similar. I don't know if you remember Castle Rock, but it was amazing. And, uh, you know, it was like a four minute lap time. And you know, that was when lap times were first, people were starting get interested in lap times and stuff and, and uh you know i remember he said just break it in you know for a lap or two and and then uh you know ride it the way you would for you know 10 minutes or so let's make sure it's good on there okay so i i wanted to be real careful and so the first two laps that i was breaking in i was like five seconds a lap faster than my fastest times on my race bike all day yeah so and that was 82 the advantage it was bigger then, but it was like, it was just they're just amazing, you know. Right. So I'll still never forget how good they felt, and so I did that on a couple times. I hanging around with Bob. I yeah, never you rode Bob's bike, but I. I oh, you just, never jumped uh, on you never jumped on Bob's bike ever. I would have thought I don't for think sure. So. Yeah. I don't think I did. I was trying to remember back because I don't think I ever rode a. I think I rode a. I don't think I ever rode a 250 RC. Right. And, uh, uh, for this for this day, did you get to ride it before the race, or was your first time on it at, at Washougal practice? No. I got to ride it the day before. Eric okay. Kripa, somehow we got, you know, I think they asked me after Washougal or after the Rose Bowl. I got like, I think I got third or fourth in the Rose Bowl that year, and that was the week before the uh Yep. The Washugo. So I think they're, you know, my Supercross results, because I was able to ride some of the tracks that the boys were on, because I'd never, you know, I'd never been on a practice Supercross track before. And then I got to ride Wonderland once or twice. And, uh, you know, so my Supercross results at that time were starting to pick up. You know, I was running, you know, top 10 a lot. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that was the year they had two. Two finals or two motos. Yeah, two motos. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I think I was in a third. I think I got third the first moto of the Rose Bowl, or maybe, or maybe a man passed me at the finish line on one of those jumps, like he did at Daytona over 
RJ. And, uh, but I got fourth there. Then the second motor, I got a flat, of course, running up the front. But So I think Honda was excited that I did well in the Supercross. So they, they just said, hey, how would you like to ride the bike? <laughs> no. At Washougal, I'm like, are you kidding? Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, I called Ivan to ask him, you know, if he'd mind. And, you know, he said, absolutely not. Just don't. And so, and so we were just like, no cell phones or anything. It's like, all right, Eric will meet you Saturday at the hotel that, uh, yeah, at the hotel there's Honda staying at. And, and then, of course, he's got the, you know, affiliation or with, uh, with Chuck son, who's from that area. So he knew a bunch of little tracks around there. So I went for like 20 minutes, uh, the Saturday, like maybe after sign up or something, I forget if they were still doing sign ups on Saturdays then. And, and then I rode it for like 20 minutes and the track I rode was typical. Like it was crazy. Uh, it was just all big doubles. I had never seen and stuff. So it wasn't exactly how I wanted to, uh, Right. You know, ride the bike for the first time, but I could still tell it was amazing. And I guess, like, when they told Eric, I guess the bike had literally, uh, had literally hadn't been touched since Carlsbad that year. Oh, yeah. And so I, I never got it going. You know, I was riding and everything felt beautifully. You know, they had, you know, they put the proper springs in, you know, for my weight, and uh, the bike just felt amazing. And then, uh, so I was all excited. Then practice at Washougal. It was like, oh, my God, this is even, you know. And I had some success at Washougal. Like, like, one of the only two nationals I rode in 84, I had gotten fours there. And uh, and so even though I was really hard-packed and stuff, it, I really liked the track, you know, with the hills mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was all excited and, like, I don't know if you remember, like, that finish line whoop section they used to have. Yeah, they still got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I figured. That, so, I mean, I was, that thing felt like a 125. The, the uh, RC500 felt like 125 going through those things. That's that's what I remembered mostly, mostly, because it had the power of, it had all the power you wanted, but it felt nimble. You know, you could throw it around like a 250 or even 125. It felt more like a 125 that, you know, had as much power as you could want. And right. So when I went through that, what do they call it, Himalayas or something? I, I forget. But, yeah, you know the section I'm talking about. When I went through there the first time, I was like, wow. <laughs> I always liked those types of sections, you know. So, But you were only limited by, you know, your suspension. And that thing, the suspension was so good, I could pretty much, you know, I, I could skim any whoops or anything I wanted to without worrying. And so it was great. But the only thing is... Uh, after after the small amount of testing and them just trying to prepare the bike quickly for, you know, how thorough they usually are. But it, so the start came, and I got an unbelievable jump. And, you know, just from, I guess, from after being at Carlsbad and me riding at those couple of times, it's like I went to shift into third or fourth or whatever, and it stayed, it just pure clutch slip. And that was also the day the dust was the worst pretty much the worst i've ever seen it at any race because yeah the dust you know, seems that, the dust seems like a like bailey just quit in one moto goat brecker quit oh, a bunch right, of guys yeah, sucked dirt yeah yeah it was well, seemed don't like don't forget that in 1980 he had that mount st helens and so 
it's not just the dust. It's like there's still a bunch of volcanic ash <laughs> in the soil, yeah. especially back then. And uh, yeah, I remember the first time I went there in 1980. I was like, from being back east, you know, if you don't know what what the sand and the moon dust and stuff is like, you know, the I'd have the guys come stay at my house and ride my practice tracks, and they'd all suck dirt because they wouldn't put enough oil on yeah. the filters. So I remember the first time, it was my first year on the Nationals or Trans USA or whatever, and I was like, I loved Washuga, but I, you know, I was riding the international class or yeah. 50 class, and it was like, you know, I was happy if I was up there in the, up there in the, you know, top 15 or whatever, and I was like, I was kind of struggling a little, but then lap after lap, I'd see someone suck dirt on the side of the track, and I ended up, so I always knew that place was dusty, but I didn't expect to be, I was getting great starts all year, yep. so that year, like I said, I had the first pick on the line and all that on the gate, and I couldn't have got a better start than the clutch slipped, and, the, and I feel as though on that bike, on that day, under normal conditions, I think I could have easily you know, been much more competitive than eighth, but I literally, and this is no exaggeration or joke, but out in the, after you go up that huge uphill in the back, mm -hmm. and you take that left there, and I don't think that section's anymore. They had the track used to be even longer, and I came around one corner, and it was like looking into a, a wall. I literally couldn't see, and I had to stop for like a half a minute <laughs> before I could see, because I was like dead last. Yeah. And it was just crazy, and like each lap, it settled a little more, and and I was able to get up to eight, but it was like, oh, my God, jeepers. I could not believe that was like my worst moto of the year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was on a work fight. Yeah, you, but but so. you had to, I mean, reading Cycle News, second moto, you were gone. It said you just yeah. dominated, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, like, it, 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 you didn't get the overall, but at least you made a statement right. with your, like, hey, yeah, you I, know. You know, I was, that, that's one of the, uh, you know, the most definitely the most confident I've ever been that I was gonna win a moto, you know, because I was like I wasn't too happy with my results from the first one, even though even though it wasn't my fault to say, Yeah, that's what everyone says and you finally get a chance to prove mm -hmm. you can prove you can win and then something like that happened. So I was just like I wasn't mad in the least bit. I wasn't that type to be mad at them because of course you have to believe me, I know it wasn't you know, it's just one of those fluke things. I didn't get enough time on it. And the type of track I rode the day before wasn't the type of track that you could even get in for, you know. So, right, right. But anyway, so that happened. And, you know, I was happy. To, you know, it's always nice to win a moto. That was, I, I've got, uh, even though I haven't won, I've got three, three national moto wins. So, you know, that, not a lot of guys have had that, so. All right. So that no, that's pretty fun. legit. Yeah, that's pretty legit. And and not on fact. This, the other two were not even on fact. Right, bikes, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's another thing. It's like winning on that. Like I know, you know, I, that bike was amazing. I was so grateful for the opportunity. But I don't think you know. I really, you know, I was racing that class, and if you look at it on paper, it's like, like Jesus. I, you know, like everyone's. No one counts like Glover or Bailey. You know, championships, it's like they don't count because they were 500. But, you know, that class had some tough riders. There's some tough dudes in that class. And, uh, you know, don't forget, you know, Lyles and Alan King were still out there. Harleton was in a bunch. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, but the other guys, like from 
the Northeast that, you know, people don't talk about much or like, you know, like Eric McKenna, who got second in the series. And, you know, there's some other guys I can remember that, like, I didn't really know that well, but they were so fast. You know, uh, John Welchel and a bunch of guys you don't really hear about, but they could all really ride. And you know how riding the open bikes is a little different animal. So. Yeah, Mark Murphy, too. Murphy was really good. Oh, yeah, Murphy was always great and one yep. of my dearest friends. So, yeah, they had all those Yamaha guys. And, uh, you know, even Danny Laporte, and, uh, you know, he's still, you know, he's on that Husky, which I felt bad for him for, but it's Danny Laporte, you know, so, so uh, you know, it was it was great, and I was so excited because Honda was talking about giving me some really good support the next year, but it was all contingent on whether or not the AMA decided to go to the you know, 250 half the year. Open yeah, half the year. yeah. And obviously, I was going to ride the open bike and supercrosses. And, and so once once they needed a 125 rider, I was pretty much out of the picture, even though I wouldn't have mind riding diamonds. Uh, yeah. 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 So that really hurt, and then I was sad about that. So, you know, I, I probably could have got bikes, but, you know, yeah. I wanted to, uh, you know, try to start fresh. And, you know, I... Anytime anyone gets off of 82 to 80, anything Honda to another brand, it never usually goes well. And I couldn't adapt to the Yamahas in 86. And, and, uh, it's really looking back and there, if, if only I, you know, and I didn't get a great deal because when that changed, all the guys who were right on the cusp for getting good rides and everything kind of, you know, the teams didn't have to be as large. Right. And so not as many guys were getting support, but um, it was Joe, a great day. It was so crazy watching that battle for the 250s. Yeah, yeah. Honda putting Honda moved uh, Ronnie up and David down. Um, yeah. And, and, and then uh, uh, even uh, David told me that he lost some money because Eaton passed them in points. He right. had he had a second overall uh, money, but uh, Eric Eaton passed him for the overall points. Right. Uh, um, that stinks. Hey Jojo, I sent you a photo of this day. Uh, that was on Facebook. My brother had found it. Uh, right. It's you on the factory bike, but then you also told me you you were also very excited for the pro- prototype Alpine Star boots. Oh my gosh, that was like <laughs> I don't know which I was more excited for because I was a diehard diehard uh, High Point guy, which was you know they were Alpine stars. Yeah. But yeah. I think I'm sure we should know better, but you know I think Jack Penton or whatever was the first importer, and then. You know, they started. Yeah, supposedly he made a wrong turn and ended up at their shop, but he was supposed to go somewhere else in Italy. Oh, he speak Italian, so he ended up at the wrong place. And next thing you know, Alpine Stars is making his boots. That's right. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> so and the rest the is history. Boots. They were the only boots I really ever liked. And, uh, you know, a few times I tried other boots, it was like that was the, you know, like I think I talked to home and at the beginning of that year. And uh, I loved the gear, and they gave me a great great offer of sport and everything but i had to wear the boots and they i just could not wear the boots so i uh you know so i took a lot less just so i could wear the high point boots but then they started really helping me a lot but another fun, funny thing about that like i said i was i was living uh, a lot with bob and jeff hicks that year and so they were actually letting me stay you know i was staying with them in el toro and uh going riding with them all the time and stuff and I'm sure you've heard, you know, how Bob used to have to tape his ankle so much. And I liked the boots when they were, you know, I was so heavy and 
my, you know, the way I rode, and since my legs and ankles are bigger normally than most, I was, uh, you know, I like the, I'd like to wear the boots once and then race with them like three times, and then I was all done with them. And Bob loved, loved it because uh, I think that's why I started getting so many help because I just get boxes of boxes of boots shipped to me and. The idea was once I was done with my three races with him to give them to Bob so he could put them on and they'd be broken in around all that tape and everything. <laughs> so I was nice. getting a lot, of help, a lot of help from them then. And uh, I think they sh I think they were going to let him ride these. And these were like, obviously, these are the pre-Tech pre 7s or Tech 10s. You know, they were like, to this day, I remember they, were, you know, they still had the leather bottom, but the tops were all plastic like they are now. They had little screens in them for venting and stuff, and they were amazing. And uh, <laughs> a new and I remember factory it, bike, oh, factory boots. <laughs> yeah, and those boots were like the coolest things I've ever saw. I couldn't believe I got them, and because of course Bob didn't want to spend the time to break them in, so he gave them to me the first shot. At yeah, him, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun back then. It was, uh, you know, just with the box fan days, and you know. Everyone would like practice during the week or something, or you'd meet, meet up or travel with certain people. And no one knows the Boxman days like you, Steve, but I was just saying, it was just like, like for instance, that Washougal in 85, after the race, I'm pretty sure it was the day after. He, yeah, we stayed over and went steelhead fishing on, uh, what's that, the Columbia River? Yeah, or Columbia, something? Yep, yep. Yeah, we went steelhead fishing out there and it was just amazing. And, uh, Larry Myers and Bob were buddies, you know, and so it was, I think it was just Larry, Bob, maybe Hicks. I think we had two boats, so the six guys, three in each boat, and like, and so we were swimming at some point. It was a real hot day, and, uh, and uh, Larry got into some current, and he was like, everyone was laughing. It was like, he looked like a person pretending to drown. <laughs> But he really was drowning. He really and was. When they're like, holy shit, he's in trouble. So I'll never forget, Bob dove in, and like, he was a really good swimmer. And like, he dove in there and swam in the car into the white water and pulled him out of there. Larry, it was really a close call for him. So, Jeez. Wow. But anyway, so we go steelhead fishing the day after on the Columbia. And then the next day, we go to Lake Mead for like a week and a half on the houseboat. So. You know, and I did that in 84 and 85 with those guys. And, like, talk about a time, you know, those guys are all my heroes and everything. The next thing you know, I'm out, I'm out there on Lake Mead. We'd rent three houseboats, one with a motor and the other two with nothing. Just And uh, tie them together and just go out there with jet skis and all that stuff. And oh, that's awesome. It was unbelievable. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so, Ouija, do you have anything for JoJo? Weege, you there? We lost Weege. We lost Yeah, Weege. I was oh. going to say, um, that's interesting. So I did not even know that, like, we just know the factory team, say, from the outside. But right. you already had kind of a relationship with Honda, even from previous years. And right. uh, they were going to give you some stuff for yeah, 86. Yeah, there was talks, like, if they were still going to do it the same way. But I think, I, you know, looking back, I think it was a... Uh, you know, I think they pretty much knew at that point that it wasn't, it, I'm pretty, I knew because they weren't planning on going to that trans, you guys remember they had the 
Trans USA or something. Was that 82 to 84? I forget, but I think they were pretty sure they were going to be uh, splitting the classes up. But right. No, at one point it looked like it would be, you know, I, was, I think Bailey, I don't know if he still wants, yeah, I think he wanted to get the title back after losing it in 85. And I think it was going to be me and Bailey in the, in the one, in the uh, 500. And then Johnny, of course, was going to stay in the 125. Go No, drop down to the 125. And, I, and Bob was still going to race the, uh, mm. I think Bob had already been gone. But anyway, but there was, you know, I signed, you know, I had like a temporary, temporary plans to, you know, have some real support with Mechanic and all that. Oh, yeah, Cooper was riding for him then. And yeah, and that guy Cooper was going to ride the 125. And, and then it was going to be... Um, I think they knew they were going to get Ricky Johnson at that time. That's right. Right. Uh, Jojo, one of the things Bailey told us was that you had mentioned to him, and, and you know, as trick and as cool as the 85 Honda bikes were, right. uh, you know, outside of Dogger, everyone kind of had a down year. And Bailey right. mentioned that you had said to him after practice, hey, the bike's not that fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that as clear as, as he does, but, like, I think I was amazed at uh, – how controllable the power was, but yeah, I know. I just let me tell you right now, the bike wasn't uh, slow or anything. By no, but no. I think I was so used to that. Uh, see, that first year, that water cooled bike was like way faster than the '86, '78, yep. and everything. Yep. Like they didn't have anything like to slow them down. They just had regular flywheels. They just it was basically a huge. It's just like 500 cc on a. You know, yeah. So the thing was just so fast. I've never had a bike that just every gear would just like pull like crazy, and, and so I think I was just saying like I was surprised how controllable yeah uh, yeah that thing was, and yeah, it like didn't have in some of the places it didn't have quite the hit that my production bike had, and I had uh, you know that was the first year I started using. Mitch was really uh, influ- you know, really helpful to me, and. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was like a weirdo coming from back east. It's like every time I ever tried an aftermarket product, something never worked. So I was like strict OEM. And, uh, you know, and I, I did that to a fault. You know, I was using stock pipes and stuff. And, and uh, you know, it just, it wouldn't, you know, you could. So when I finally got a pipe and a cylinder from Mitch, I'm like, oh, Yeah, you're like, wow, this, is, this thing's great. All <laughs> right. Uh, um, Couple things before we let you go here in the Lee at Reraceables. Uh, we got a couple stories. Bailey said that you picked up a rental car from the back and both wheels were off the ground yeah, at some point. I, yeah, I used to be able to do that. I had some good. Uh, all I ever rode was mo- whoops, you know. So my quads, my quads, <laughs> and my back were extremely strong. <laughs> you know, so I, could, I could do. I had like. You know, I'd go into gyms and stuff, and just from so much whoop riding, you know, I was being overweight and riding the 500s and stuff. It's like, okay, I uh, I could I could always like I could always squat a, a great deal, and uh, you know, so it's just they're not that heavy. It's just all technique. It's like, you know, you go to gym with some guys, and like he lifts more weight than you've ever seen, and then you go trail riding with him, and he crashes on the wrong side of the hill with the handlebars pointing down, like you can't even budge the thing, you know, and any of us could go over and just pick it right up, you know, from the technique. And yeah. so it was a lot, lot to do with that. But yeah, okay. I, mean, I, used to make, 
We used to have so much fun gambling on everything back then. I remember. Somebody said, I'll made, bet you, I'll bet more, you, pick up a right? car. <laughs> yeah, at, at Red Bar that year and at that Vegas National, I made more picking up cars than I did racing the motos. So. <laughs> 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 That's pretty cool. Um, okay, another, sucker, man. another one we have is you started at 125 with your hand, and then you did a lap at Kroom dragging next to the bike on the ground? Yes. Yeah, I used to. <laughs> Yeah, I could start. I, I could start all the bikes with my hand, but it was a little more dangerous on the two fifties and five hundreds. But yeah, that's another technique thing, you know, just talk dead center and knowing how to do it. And yeah, I used to love. Uh, that's another great story. I used to love, uh, you know, doing that. You know, now that it's goon riding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but like those guys started doing. But I used to love, uh, like I'd show up somewhere and. Pretend I, I was drunk or something. <laughs> pretend, no, I'd, get, I, I'd be somewhere. I'd be like, oh, how do you ride these things? And, you know, with people who really didn't know anything. Yeah, just, yeah. So my friend would be saying, you just pull this clutch in, you put it. And so I'd pretend that I was just never ridden before and start. I would just be completely out of control, dragging along behind the bike and stuff. <laughs> I, I just, you, know, I, you know, I could ride them almost, I could ride them fast backwards, like Magoo's, the pick. Of Magoo. Yeah, I used to be able. To, you know, I could I could do practice motos doing that. You know, riding backwards, I could do the whole laps at a pretty good clip. But you know, it's all stuff that I was practicing and doing because it wasn't serious enough. So you know, but it just happened some ways. Oh, but that's that's all Gainesville. true. Okay. Yeah. 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 Gainesville '87, complete mutter. The last race of the Winter Series. It's one of the only times Bob was ever mad at me, but I was riding really good and. uh he was on a Suzuki, and it was a mudder, which he loves, but you know how all mud's different? Well, that mud was just, I, I felt unbelievable that day. And uh, Ross, your boy Ross, won one of the 250 motors that day, too. And uh, That's right. But I actually passed Bob, which not many people ever do, pass him in the mud. And I passed him in that, on the finish line, Jeff, where the picture of Keogh and McGrath and, you know, the Gainesville finish line, John. Yeah, yep. yep. So, obviously, we weren't getting much air because it was a complete mutter, but I had a good line, so I passed him, and then I hit a kicker, and it literally threw me off the bike, and I dragged him beside it to the next corner and got and got up, and then I actually I won that motor. I pulled away from Bob in the mud and won it, and, uh, and he was a little mad because he thought I was doing it on purpose. He thought I kind of did it to show him up or something, which would be the farthest thing from the case. But yeah, yeah. But that's one of the times doing that crap does come in handy because it did save me quite a few times. Okay. The, oh. the other one, you uh, you can ride down a railroad track on a dirt bike. I could, yeah. I sure wouldn't want to try it now, but yeah, I could do it pretty good for a while. And uh, <laughs> a lot of the trails around here and right next to my house, I had to ride railroad tracks to get to the practice tracks and everything. And I was doing a lot of, you know, wheeling and unicycle riding and all that stuff at that time. So I just, like, started, you know, how they uh, cross a road. And so it'll be, it'll be kind of, like, laid down into the road till we get over the road and then start at the track again. Yeah. So I'd get in that group where it was a little under the asphalt and then ride on it. And so, you know, at first I'd, I'd go a few feet, but I did it so much that I could actually... Uh, it's not as hard as you think, believe it or not. But you just have to keep doing it to figure it out. And then once you do, it's actually 
It's not that hard. The legend, so. the legend of JoJo, Weege. Yeah, I, yeah. Stupid stuff. Picking <laughs> up cars, yeah. kickstarting bikes with your arm, and riding on railroad. It's all technique, everybody. Technique. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, what, what's awesome about these right. stories is, especially the hangouts after the races and the rental cars and the box fans and all right. that. Everything is so carefully structured now where everybody is like oh, every minute of their day is planned. Yeah. You guys are the exact opposite. Just do whatever. Nah, oh, we don't know. Maybe crazy. this will be good. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the best times ever. And, <laughs> you know, I traveled a lot with uh, Jim Hawley at that time. And you can oh. imagine how much fun that was. And, <laughs> uh oh. He's not as bad as he, He's like the most on time. Like, he never did anything crazy. He just all his exploits and stuff. But. You know, he never partied or anything like that. Yeah, so. Jim is, yeah, Jim's, uh, Jim's awesome. He's very businesslike, although he doesn't act it, but it, we all know how he is. So. Right, right. Yeah, I always say it's controlled chaos. It seems yes. chaotic, but it is all scheduled, and he doesn't ever put himself at, I guess because he's a stuntman, I always say. It looks like oh, he's yeah. at risk, but he's never actually at risk. Right, right. <laughs> uh, he used to get me, we'd be traveling to, we went to Australia and overseas quite a few times, and like, he speaks almost enough Japanese to get by. And so whenever uh, whenever we'd run into someone from Japan or who spoke the language, he'd always grab me by the arm or something and come up. And, like, I didn't know what he was saying, but I got the gist of, this is JoJo, going to be next sumo, sumo wrestler. No. <laughs> so, like, people would be laughing and everything at my expense, but it was a blast. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Anything else for JoJo, Weege? Uh, my last thing is, um, hey, the New England scene, um, there's always been these guys that had these breakthroughs. You won, what, Motos of Southwick once or twice? Did you win I Southwick won Moto? 80 and 82. Okay, yeah. twice, yeah. Um, just talk about that. Like, uh, you were the guy for a little while, then obviously you went into Dowd and Keith Johnson and, right. and Henry and all that. Right. What yeah. was it like, uh, Southwick in those days when you came? Was there a pressure on you to try to get that win? Because uh, you yeah, obviously it, could. Right. It was, um, you know, I never felt pressure because I, like, I. I, I rode ever since I was, like, really young, and then I got into hockey, and so, like, I didn't really race, but we were kind of, like, didn't really, you know, I had to choose between hockey and moto at one point, and so I chose hockey, so there was a couple of years there where I hardly raced a lot, and what happened was I was really good in the woods and a really good rider, but I was a little timid because of my size and everything, because, like, when I was... When I was like 14, I was, you know, 5'3", 170. And then when I was 15, I was 5'10", 170. You know, and so when I had that growth spurt, all of a sudden I could use my skills and I could, could combine it with a little confidence, you know, because I could always ride really well. And, you know, I was I always, to this day, I say I'm more of a woods rider than a moto rider, but it's just a, tra you know, racing. I was racing big bikes when I was 12, 13, and, and not that big, and it was like looking over at these grown men, you know, seeing them get ready to go into the first corner and all that, and survive, and, uh, you know, so I, I got the confidence back in 85, so I still, and then that's something that really bothers me, too, is my first national ever was 79 South, like, and I had a really good day, but that was back in the days where, like, enter, enter the track where you left it, stuff. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. You know, that second corner Southwick, so there's, you know, they got like four or five 12-year-old kids flagging, 
<laughs> and there was a huge pileup. And remember, they used to have those tires around the outside. And it was made so people, you know, everyone was smashed into each other going into that, had a place to go instead of. And so I, I guess some kid wrote down all the names that of everyone who, in the huge second turn pileup, which was massive. I'm talking, there was like 15 of us. Kippy Pierce swapped out right, you know, right in front of everyone. And so we were all just like in doing our brains out. I didn't crash, but I went around the tire. And uh, so he wrote down all the guys who went around the tire. So we all got Dr. Lap. And I think I got like third, the first, my first national moto ever. And I got oh. Dr. Lap for cutting the track, even though it took me like an hour to get around where I was. So, so and then I had a good result the second time. But, and another thing is, so for, Believe it or not, it was my least successful New England track racing the NESC series. You know, it's a tough track to pass on if you don't get a good start. It was just I didn't have as many moto wins there as I did at the other tracks, and uh, so I never felt any pressure. I was just so excited about it. And so in 1980, I was like, I got a good ride because I'd won everything in Florida that year. So that was the year Fox had a big team and. You know, the 44 millimeter forks and one swing arms and the Fox Shocks of bikes were really good. And, uh, you know, I didn't do as well as I would have liked the first two nationals out in uh, California. And then when I came back, I was just like, I wanted it real bad. And uh, I was just riding, not nervousness, just like wanting, wanting to do well so bad. You know, that feeling is just like I was trying as hard as I possibly could you know, not holding anything back, and uh, it felt great, and then I got third the first motor, because I got knocked around by guys, and that's another crazy story, I was wearing, Fox had a Simpson helmet deal, and like, they didn't fit my head properly, and I hated them, they were full face, and it kept falling down in my eyes every time I hit a bump the first moto, and it was like, ah, I'm sorry, I borrowed my, my mother's boyfriend's, uh, had a Bell Magnum, an old Bell Magnum, and I like, Borrowed that for the next moto, and I won that moto going away. And <laughs> I borrowed it They were big about tech inspection and everything. And so my biggest fear was they were going to find out that I didn't have my helmet wasn't inspected and I was going to get disqualified. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, but then, so like, you know, that was another disappointment not winning because I got three, I went three one and that usually gets the job done. But, of course, Howerton went 1-2, so he won it. But what hurts more than that is uh, Marty Trice was his last year at Factory Yamaha, and he uh, was in second, like, a lap to go. And, like, he got a flat at Southwick, which I've never really heard of. And and I guess they had light wheels on and stuff, so, like, they weren't, you know, they weren't worried about getting flashed as much. And so his tire was spinning in the rim. And he was going up that hill before the finish line. He couldn't make it up it. So Howerton came along and passed him to go. You know, uh -huh. would have been, he would have been 1-3 and it would have had the overall. So, uh, I'm sorry for rambling on. So wow. This is the best times of my life. So it's <laughs> well, and then, you know, two weeks before Washougal, I have this on Gary Bailey on a VHS somewhere, 85 Millville. You're gone in Moto 1. Bailey's there. And you get a front flat. And you get second. Bailey gets you. You get second. And yeah. and then the second moto, you're leading again, and you get another flat. In, right. Yeah, yeah, at Millville. Sorry to bring it up, JoJo, but another oh, no, that's, another great oh, race thanks. for you. Yeah. 
looking back, it's just one of those things. I was so uh, naive about so many things, and like, I was like getting some good help from Dunlop, and they were, uh, you know, they had that first. I think it what was it, a K140 or something. It's pretty much what all the tires look like now, and they were really good. And I was like testing for them and everything, but I was uh, they had some sidewall issues, and like when I rode the Honda. I like, said, like, yeah, I want to use those K140s or something. Like Are you crazy? We never use those. The sidewalk's no good. On them. So and they're like, what? College flats I had. It wasn't just because I was fat. I'm not choosing good lines. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, bummer. Hey, bummer what for, the, for that. Uh, yeah. What was the boys in Link? I, I didn't even realize that. I remember Hannah used it at, like, a Unadilla GP. I didn't even know you could run it in, uh... oh, no, I guess there was a production rule. Yeah, that was last year, production. Um. And I, just reading the magazines back in the day, they said sort of thing was awesome. What was that like, and why yeah. why did it not, um, you know, become what production bikes had? It sounded promising. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I don't, you know, it's so, it's so foggy, and with, I guess, the expense, like I say, why did they, you know, have all those uh, automatic 125 Hondas they used to talk about and stuff? Yeah, and, uh, they tried. And I guess it just came down to us. Too much to, it would have been too much of a, a, a cost to change. They would have had all the companies would have had to change all their, you know, uh, what do you call them? So all their molds and everything. Right. I think that's why they didn't do it. But yep. But it, it was worked. a little complicated. It was a little heavy. Mm -hmm. But as far as uh, going into rough corners, I've never ridden anything like it. It was just like it would not. You know, you see the fast guys, you know, they're at Daytona where the track gets all rough and you, you see them just going in the corners and they've got a time when the rear wheel's going to kick and Bailey especially was really good at it and stuff. But, like, you'd be waiting for that kick and it would never come. Wow. Just the rear wheel would stay, in the, stay on the ground for those tracks with the red choppy bumps. It was crazy. So, wow. Uh, Awesome, Jojo. Uh, thank you for your time on the uh, Liat Reraceables uh, 85 Washugal, getting to ride a factory Honda, something that, you know, oh, geez, you know, what, uh, 15 people have been able to do in the 80s, right, or whatever it was. Uh, pretty pretty cool, and, and it's too bad you couldn't take the win, but you did win a moto, so there is that. Yeah, well, thank you. That was great. It's, uh, you know, one of those statistics, you know, I may not have won, but I was the last guy to ever ride an RC you know, you know. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Was that the last race of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then that's it. End of the works bikes. End Unbelievable. Of the works bikes. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so oh, that's that's, cool. funny. What a, that's yeah. a neat trivia question. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I was also 240 pounds that day. And I think that <laughs> may have been the heaviest ever with a moto. So <laughs> you got that too. <laughs> yeah. The la the last Honda works bike, the heaviest rider to win a moto, the last ever right. 500, uh, 125 and 253 class day. Yeah, a lot right. of a lot of lasts. Uh, thank you, Jojo. Thank you guys so much. You know what a big fan of uh, both of you I am. So thanks. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank Take you. Care. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Good stuff from JoJo. Uh, we got a lot of stories in there. Weege. <laughs> oh, picking up rental cars. Yes. Yeah. Riding railroad tracks.
picking up rental cars. It's great. It's great. <laughs> oh God! And starting by kicks starting bikes with his arm. Yep. His hand. Yeah, yeah, and and laying behind beside it and doing a lap. I, I don't know, man. Like I said, there's a million JoJo stories out there, and the chances are they're all true. It's like Paul Bunyan, right? It's just yeah, JoJo. Yeah, uh, yeah. God, I would have again just ahead of its time. Can you imagine the vlog if he goes to Croom or whatever and shows up and it's like, I've never ridden one of these things. How's it work? And is riding off the side of the bike. And then probably 15 minutes later is absolutely hauling ass like as fast as anyone has ever ridden a dirt bike, which Jojo could do. Like I, that's vlog material now. <laughs> yeah, good point. Showing up and telling people, I've never ridden one of these. How's it work? Right. Also, <laughs> what a name, Jojo. What, what the a, hell? I don't know, but it just fits, right? If, if, this, was just oh, Mike, so if this was just Mike Keller... You know, it's not the same. Well, even the New England thing, right? They're just that area in this sport for some reason is known for these weirdo playground legend type guys. They've got hilarious names. It it couldn't work out better. You know, yeah, if his name was Mike Keller and if he wasn't from the Southwick area, it would only be about 60% as cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, and how about him just stopping because of the dust just in the first moto, just stopping? He said for half a minute. Yeah. For. <laughs> Whatever he said, half a minute or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dude, he definitely – there's a world where JoJo gets his bike and goes 1-1 on the day. A hundred – like, there's just – if he gets a start, you know, he did it in the second moto. Poor JoJo. Well, I'll tell you how much of a difference it makes. I hate to say this for JoJo fans, but I've always known, yes, Eric Eaton, local guy, won that national. The factory guys were out of the class that day. I did not even know about the JoJo situation at all. So – as they say, history is written by the winners. Mm-hmm. I've heard a thousand times about Eric Eaton winning this day. Until you brought this up to JoJo to get this pod scheduled, I didn't even know about JoJo's really in this day at all. Nope. Oh, nope. I just texted- history is written by the, written by the winners. Yeah, I texted you a photo of my brother found on Facebook of JoJo on this day. By the way, yeah, but I didn't know anything about any of that. I just yeah. know Eric Eaton won. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Huh? Huh. Yeah, yep. I mean, I thought that was common knowledge that he that JoJo got a factory bike on this day. Okay, anyways, um, no. no. Leah, re-racing categories. Are, are you ready? You want? You ready for this? Um, yes, definitely ready. All right. Thanks again, Pro Taper, Maxis, Guts, Scott, Leah.com for more information on uh, on that stuff. Uh, check out their website and uh, some good sales going on as well at the Motorsport and other places on Leah. So yeah, please check them out. Thanks to those guys. Leah, re-racing categories. Uh, who really won the race? Weech? Who really won uh, this race? Jojo. No. 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 You can go JoJo. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with that. I know he didn't win the overall, but I want to give it to him. Yeah. So, hey. I got to go. I got to go with Eric Eaton because he really did win the 500s and he got second overall in the series. So when you forever look at the point standings, he is ahead of one yep. David Bailey. Um, yeah. So I'll go Eric Eaton. He, it's his hometown race, too. Like, just imagine me winning a Manitoba National. Uh, that would be super cool. Um, I'll go Eric Eaton. Now, in the cycle news, uh, Alan King, uh, who was a factory rider in this year. Um, maybe he's on a factory bike. I don't know. Anyways, Eric, uh, Alan King was catching Eric Eaton late in the moto. And if he had been, if Eric Eaton was passed, then the overall was going to go to Billy Lyles, who was a factory rider. Sorry, Billy was a factory rider. Um, but Alan King's bike sucked up dirt and started sputtering as he was all over Eric Eaton. Shout out to the dust. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crazy day. No um, doubt about it. Oh, you know what? 
Alan King got a factory bike for this race too. So yeah, the factory bikes are just given out, I guess. Just here you go. But uh, uh, he's listed on a Cowie. He's on a Cowie? Yeah, he's on a Cowie this year. Yep. Who was... This was tough racing year for Alan King. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of whose bike... So yeah. Lyles was not factory Cowie? Lyles was factory, yep. So who who's, why was, whose bike was King uh, riding? Or are uh, they just who, throwing know. another guy? Throwing another guy. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. Yeah, uh, so Lyles was their 500 class rider for factory Cowie. Yep. This year. Yep. yep. And then he was uh, privateer Cowie the next year. Uh, after this. Yep. And then then GPs. Uh who's that guy award? I mean, good God. There <laughs> there's so, so many. There's so many. I'll go the highest oh, so to me, I, I, I actually looked at this guy's name up in the uh, in the vault. Um it who's that guy? Hold on. Where hey, your answer is probably gonna be the same as mine. One really Okay, go ahead. Out of a group of who's that guys, and there's about sixty of them between the three classes. Okay, go ahead. I have a name that sticks out amongst all names. Oh, then it's the same guy. Yes, go and ahead. And his name is Lock Names. Yes, yes. That's exactly what I was doing, and I was looking for Lock Names. He's from Oregon in the vault. He has a 12th at Lakewood in 85. Yeah. This, this, is, <laughs> this is phenomenal. His name is L-O-C-H Names. Lock Names. <laughs> Lock names. I looked and I'm like, we've got a mistake. I'm using the results on the racetrack site. I'm like, this is like a placeholder. Like, if the name's blank, the computer must revert to like fill in rider name. It just says lock names. But I guess this is not a typo. This is really someone's name. And lock gets seventh in one moto in the 500. <laughs> yes. So lock was good. Yeah, he got, as you said, 12th overall area that year in Denver. Let's see, uh, the 15-12 moto scores. He gets 7th in this second moto. But here's the crazy thing. Lock names. Six nationals. That's it. He only appears yep. in the results six yep. times. So what? I, I don't even get it. I, I don't, I don't know it. either. I don't know. He did. He's from Oregon, so he went to Washougal twice. He drove to NorCal yep. and Hangtown. He drove to Lakewood. That's not so far. He did make it all the way to Broome. Yeah, yeah, you know, That's all the way random. Yeah, very random. You made it to Red Bud, but Lock Names uh, is definitely who's that guy award. You could also go now. The highest placing guy, both motos that I've never heard of was John Shea, sixth overall in two fifties. Never heard of John Shea going thirteen six. Oh yeah, look at that from yep. Ohio. Yeah, no yep. idea. Yep. So but that... I'm still going with lock names who I know even less about than a guy John Shea who I don't know anything about. But I know even less about lock names. Lock names. Lock names is his name. Uh, it's phenomenal. I'm glad that you found that too. That I was yes. just like, so somebody reach out to us on the DM, Twitter, whatever it you, might be. Do you, you think know, anything about lock? Do you think Rarick? Do you think Rarick knows lock names? That's right, Rarick. Rarick, negative ten years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Rarick's going to text us like he does after every pod and be like, "I can't believe you don't know who Lock Names is." <laughs> lock name, <laughs> Eugene Oregon legend. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Uh, lock net, the Lock Names monster. Lit Kid Award. There can only be one. It is in the top. Three or five of all time looks in the sport. Wow. It's phenomenal. Uh, there's a photo of it uh, in the black and white cycle news, but I don't even need to see the photo in cycle news because these gentlemen wore this look all year long. Uh, the D David Bailey slash Ron Lachine, Scott Goggles, ALS, Scott Open Face mask. 
blue, white, red JT look is simply phenomenal. It's, as I said, top three or top five of lit kits of all time. It'll always stand the test of time. It's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Bailey or Lachine, 85 look. Wow. Well, you know me. I'm not a JT Racing fan. Um, I think there were one of these episodes where I actually picked it, even though I, I shouldn't do that because I'm not a fan. Um, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Where is Rick Johnson? He breaks his finger and uh, DNFs. He does appear, though. He does race the motorcycle. There's a photo of him Cycle News. And Thank you. I was going to, this is one of the most underrated Fox looks. I've told Pete Fox this myself. This is the first year that Pete got to design anything. He was 16. Oh, okay. And he designed the Rick Johnson signature Fox look. It was black, red, white, uh, Moto 4, full face. RJ was an early adapter of the full face compared to these other dudes. And um, it's a really good look and very underrated Fox look. So if you're going to go with that, I can't argue with it. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. I was just afraid there's a lot of 1985 RJ pictures, but I couldn't find any one of him or Shugel that didn't see him in the results. I'm like, what if he wasn't there? Broke, but, uh, he, so he, but he did attempt. He comes in tied with Johnny O, right, as I said, after Millville, tied yeah. with Johnny O, but he breaks his finger in the first moto. So yeah. he's gone. Okay. Yep. So he was there yep. in the gear. Yep. There's a photo like, of him coming and charging in the first turn with Terry Fowler up front, too. Good job, Terry oh, Fowler. Yeah. Good start. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, you know, also had a strong look. It's not my lit kit, but um, you know, Cinecella never gets any love. There no. are some, maybe it's because Ward was so good that year. It was very basic, but I thought it looked good. Cinecella on Ward. Yeah, Wardy always looked clean, right? Um, yep. Uh, shit kit award. Uh, there's a photo. I'm gonna go with uh, Eddie Warren. He's number eight hundred one. He is a amateur rider at this point, and he's gonna go on to be Factory Cowie the next year. Uh, he has a good year this year. He is in high point gear. And although high point boots were great and everyone loved them, the the uh, the look is not good. The, it's not a good look for high point. It just says high point across the top. It, it, yeah, not good. High point gear. Hey, I'm a little confused with the history. The high point boots were Alpine stars, but they also had high point gear. But what did that turn out to be or what was it? You know what I mean? Like, what is the history there? Well, I mean, we we all know that six High time Point wore, boots were Alpine. Yeah, first. six time wore the gear. Yeah, but like, what happened to High Point? Oh, well, I I don't know. You'd have to ask Coombs. Right, and the, the boots were Alpine Star boots, so they were legit. Yes, but like, did they make their own gear? Was it someone else's gear? They put their name on, kind of like they did with that. I don't know. There, uh, I think it might be the next year, but my buddy Tony Berluti here in Vegas. Yeah. is uh, good buddies with Greg Prim. And at one point, Greg Prim bought a line of gear called EP Performance <laughs> and had Bill, Bullet Billy Lyles in it. It wasn't good-looking stuff. I think it was this <laughs> year. So I think Billy, second overall, is wearing EP gear. I can't find a photo of him. It's not good. Whoa. It's not good. Whoa. Greg Prim owned a gear company for a while. Um, but, yeah, I'll go high point gear for Eddie Warren. Yeah, I don't have any photos of this race. I can't. It's not on video, I, so I can't really vote on a shit kit. But I can say that I've done multiple Google searches of a 1985 motocross and even this particular event, try to find shit kit gear. And although he wasn't at this event, of the Google search, by far the worst looking gear I see is uh, 1985 250 World Champion Heinz Kindergartner and his KTM brand gear. <laughs> yeah, he is not even part of this race or this series at all. <laughs> 
but of the 1985 <laughs> motocross Google search, I did. Kenny, congratulations. Yeah. Shit kit. Uh, by the way, uh, um, quote in Cycle News. A few riders, including Brecker and Bailey, pulled out of the race in the second moto because of choking dust. I couldn't believe how bad the dust was, said Brecker. David Bailey and I pulled off to the side of the track in the back section of the second moto and started talking. We could barely see each other. There were guys who had crashed and couldn't find their bike. I said, forget it. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Factory wow. rider. Factory rider. Forget it. It's not worth it. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Again, what the podcast would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, all right. Where's JT? Uh, I think JT was born in 88, wasn't he? No. No, 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 no uh, sorry. No. 79, 80, Yeah, like yeah, yeah, JT's six. So JT's around. He's, ta- he's probably uh, on a P-dub or something. I don't think Frank and Cindy go all the way to Washougal to work this race. I doubt it, right? So JT's not on the side of the track cheering? No, no, and I don't think Frank and Cindy went to Washougal's. So okay. I doubt they <laughs> no, I wouldn't think there. so, yeah. Right, right. Uh, the Jacob Marsak Award for the Lee at Re-Raceables for the rider who did the best that, uh, that you probably don't remember. Well, you could go Eric Eaton. Because he won, but Weege, you kind of knew this as the Eric Eaton race, so you know maybe it's not maybe he's not the Jacob Marsak Award winner. Because if you, I mean, obviously I knew it, but if your passing knowledge was that Eric Eaton won, then it's probably not the Jacob Marsak. Yeah, Award. that's a that's a good question. Would most people hear that Eric Eaton won and be like, "What? I had no idea." Or is it legendary enough because it's so weird that they do know? I don't know how you measure that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's a not, it's yeah. a it's a race thirty years years old, so I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's more than that, actually. Uh, so. Here's what I got. This is a bit of an oddball. Jimmy Ellis, um, 10 years after being the Supercross champion in a Can-Am, I had no idea, was still racing and gets 20th. He gets one point in this final 500 moto of the year. He gets 25th overall. I had no idea that Jimmy Ellis was still racing at this point, and... Uh, I didn't know that, so even though Jimmy L.S. is a Supercross champ, so it's not like a guy who couldn't get good results, he must be absolutely ancient by motocross standards of the time, and he gets one point in that final moto. Huh. I did not know that Jimmy Ellis was still out there racing in 1985. I did not know that either. Shades of, like, uh, I think Mike Bell showed up a few years late and rode. Um, yeah. yeah. But what makes this odd is if you look at the uh, race race results or the vault results, Ellis does he is he just doesn't retire. He just shows up for a handful of races like every year, including eighty five. He rode three nationals, Hangtown, Las Vegas, and Washougal. Hmm. He should get sixth at Hangtown. What in the hell? Are you sure it's the same Jimmy Ellis? Cobalt, Connecticut. Yeah, that would be him, right? Yeah. yeah. Captain Cobalt. Yeah, I mean, how yep. old is he at this point in eighty five? He thirty? 35? Yeah, again, you got to make it, again, ancient to the standards of the yes. day. This is not the, the great Justin Brayton who's 38 years old. That's normal now, but uh, yeah. that is definitely not normal well, back then. Uh, I mean, I could go John Shea, John Shea with sixth mm-hmm. in Moto2 of 250s. Um, Jeff, uh, Jeff Hicks, fourth overall. I don't know if I ever would thought Jeff Hicks would have got fourth overall at a national. Um, yeah, I didn't think that either. Right, yeah. right. I knew he was a solid five to ten guy for a long time but um yeah maybe maybe um fourth overall i don't know yeah i like the hicks one okay i'll go hicks you go you go jimmy ellis because yeah because it can't be eric eaton because everybody knows the eric eaton one i think they do yeah aj whiting is quoted in second loser saying i'm very happy to win it's a long time coming okay yeah yep yep (laughs) 
Uh, it's like uh, it strikes me as Zach Bell finally getting the whole shot. Like, is that even a quote, or do they just say, you know what, he probably would say this. Just put that down. As a Are you going to besmirch the great Kit Palmer? Because that's who wrote this. You have got to be kidding me. No. Of course Kit did this. I I almost want to make a joke with Zach Kit Palmer, but I'm like, that's that's ridiculous. No, it actually is written by Kit Palmer. 100%. Oh, my God. And And when we go to Angel Stadium... In a month, Mathis, who will be there reporting for Cycle News? The great Kit Palmer. Love. <laughs> Still be the guy. Love Kit. Love Kit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Kit just is just like a legend. Like, you know, like a lot of journalists, like Super Hunky and Wolfman and Jody. Like, there's, these guys are larger than life. And sometimes we, some of the egos are that way, right? Because they did yep. a lot in the sport and they were around. And, and maybe people yep. say Steve Mathis and Jason Wygan have egos. I don't know. But the point is, is these old guys, sometimes they've got the egos and mm-hmm. maybe rightly deserved. None of this is with Kit. None of this is with no. Kit. He, no, no attention. He doesn't care. Kit has done nope. and seen it all. And you would never know that. And he's quiet and he's just cool. And he's just Kit Palmer. Yeah. That's it. How many riders? Okay, so he's interviewed every uh, – you did a podcast with him, I remember. I did, yep. Uh, him saying how cool, like, McGrath was and stuff. So, I mean, he's talked to everybody. He's interviewed everybody. But uh, I wonder how many guys even bother to know, like, that's Kit Palmer or how many guys are like, oh, yeah, I talked to the guy from Cycle News. Because I don't even think he goes out of his way to bro down. Do they know my name? No. Are we on the same – Actually, this reminds me, Kit, in my very earliest days, uh, when I was breaking in, I was writing the cycle news stories for uh, GNCC, and it was, of course, working through Kit, sending Kit the story. He was the editor. Yep. And that was one of the first things he ever said. He's like, it's never my goal to go to dinner or go to the bar with the riders because I am a journalist and I have to write about him. And I think that's like that says all you need to know about Kit. He does not care about being famous or popular or cool. He is there to write cycle news stories. I like going to dinner because they usually pay with the riders. So, <laughs> what's well, a great Justin Brayton, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's a legend. Uh, his stories about like, I think even before faxes, there was a tele teletype thing or something. Even before faxes, yeah. right? There was some sort of form to get paper over the the phone lines. I, I think it was even before faxes. So yes, and it was like someone had to be on the other side ready to receive it, and if you didn't time it right, the file will be lost forever. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Kid had to do yeah, this after like, every national. Three, two, one. Oh no! <laughs> right? Six hours of writing and quotes are gone. I don't know what it was. He told me the story about it, and then there was faxes, and that probably just blew everyone's mind because I can just oh, fax yeah. you the race report now. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, good stuff. Eighty-five Washugal. Last ever triple national, last race for works bikes. Honda 500 taking the win, the last ever national of the for the last ever works bikes. And McCarty and those guys are like, see, see you later. They're probably standing by the side of the track. Screw you, Honda. You know, like the, as the Honda took the last win. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was their thing. But, but what is funny is we've done so many of these shows, actually. I think the very first one we did with Jim Holly was 86 Anaheim. And I have said this multiple times, and everyone says no. I'm thinking they're all leaving saying next year it's going to be different. Once we're on production bikes, we are going to beat Honda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But did you notice that everybody we've told that to is like, nah, we knew Honda was going to be good no matter what. Yeah, pretty much, right? Uh, 
Yep. I mean, Dave Arnold told me again in that video I did, it's a fantastic video, that the 86s were just tamed down versions of the works bikes. Just parts that parts that didn't need yeah. to be changed as much and not let's mm-hmm. not give it as much horsepower, but basically they were that good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, we uh, even interviewing Johnny O a couple of months ago for these Unadilla ones. I was like, man, were you worried? Losing that 85 works bike. And he's like, no, we'd ridden the production bike two years earlier. We knew it was going to be good. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. It, it made no difference. In fact, really, Honda was better in 86 than they were in 85. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're yeah. unbelievable. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. Good stuff. Uh, thanks to JoJo. Legend. JoJo. Uh, yeah. I think we're doing one of these. Andrew Short. Andrew Short's coming up. Let's hope. We've got a few races for him to talk about. Um, Good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's high time. You had posted on Twitter we were going to do one with a one-time Supercross winner, which was Nathan Ramsey, but that led to a lot of requests for Shorty. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, so thanks to Liet for making this podcast happen. Pro Taper, Maxis, Guts, Scott, all on board with us as well. And uh, we're going to pound out a couple of these for this month of December so that you people have some uh, some re-raceables to do before uh, the, the real season kicks off and, and we're super busy at that point. But, uh, yeah, thanks to JoJo. Thanks, Weege. Appreciate it. All right. See ya.